0: I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself Spinning in circles and talking to myself
1: Welcome to a new spin on autism Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted And four
2: of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Well, hello and welcome. This is a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as the Brain Broad. Some people call me the brainy bra, but that's stretching it. (laughs) Anyways, this is uh, the place where we a goal where no host has gone before. We go into awareness, into ideas, and we bring up questions and come up with answers and do all kinds of fun stuff. So today I'm going to get right to it because I have kind of a slew of guests, more than usual. Um, And I just, there's been some stuff happening in the news lately that's really brought up um, some issues for me, and it's about letting go, you know. Can we let go of our kids? Should we let go of our kids? How do we know when we should let go of our kids? How do we feel about that? Is it embarrassing? Can we tell people? I mean, it's a big issue. If you feel like your kid shouldn't be at home with you in in that particular moment, where should they go? And I just put a thing out on Facebook and said, would some moms who've dealt with this come forward and, and talk to us? And we got a couple of lovely ladies who are willing to do exactly that. So I, right at the get-go, want to say my intense respect and gratitude for their willingness to do that, because I know that um, regardless of the reasons, many times people have to deal with a lot of emotional, personal stuff and judgmental neighborhood stuff and all that kind of things. Um, in order to make a choice like that. So being willing to talk about it is very cool. And our first mom's name is Kat. Isn't that great? Meow. Cat. All right, Kat. So it's so I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for being willing to chat with us on this subject. Oh, thank you.
0: I'm glad that you invited me, to.
2: So, okay. So we're all glad, glad, glad. Um, and let's start with what I said. Was it a courageous decision? Tell us your story.
0: Um, our son is almost 13, and we just placed him recently in a residential program. And it was a very hard decision to make, but it was a program we're very familiar with because our daughter is also there. And uh, because we visit there a great deal, we're there at least once a week, if not more, and we usually spend several hours there when we're there, He was very familiar with the program, and it was his choice to um, start that program as well.
2: That's very interesting. So are your children diagnosed? Tell us a little bit about them so we can get a picture.
0: Um, Both of my children have, well, these two children. I have five children, but these are my two Mm -hmm. youngest children, and they both have significant special needs. And my daughter um, moved to this residential facility Because, uh, uh, well, she also chose to go there because she wanted to have the, um, social interactions that she really wasn't able to have here. We live in a very small town. And so, in her, um, special ed classroom, there were, there were five children that were all of the children in the middle school and high school that needed that level of special education. And they were, Um, very different from her. They were all boys. They didn't have any interests similar to hers. Only one other child in the program was verbal. So, you know, she just felt very isolated. And by going to this program, she would have peers that she could do things with that might enjoy some of the same things that she enjoys. She has um, cognitive impairments, and she also has um, physical and health impairments. So for us considering a residential placement was in part because we couldn't provide the care that she needed at home and this facility has 24-hour nursing care.
2: Um now your daughter and your son were both adopted, right?
0: Yes, they're both adopted and um but our, and our son is the one who has autism. Okay. And
2: One thing that people used to say to me when I was really struggling with my dealing with some of the issues that would come up with the adopted kids is they'd say, well, you asked for it, you adopted them, and I would say, well, that doesn't minimize the difficulty. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I I think we might as well just address that right at the get-go. When you uh, adopted your daughter, you knew she had this these physical impairments and what are
0: they? Can she walk? Is she on, you know, a class? Yeah, she has has muscular dystrophy. And so when we adapted her, muscular dystrophy um, typically gets much worse when the child becomes an adolescent. And my daughter is 16 now. And so, you know, for many years we could care for her at home. and. Um, bec- she also has some brain malformations and some other health issues, and so we had in the home nursing care that would come in. Um, you know, we had quite a bit of medical equipment here for her, but it it just as she got bigger, and her strength and balance became um, less and less. It became much harder for me to provide the care that she needs. Okay. She also wanted to be more independent. And so as she was, you know, becoming a teenager, it became hard for her to become more and more dependent on mom when as a right. teenager you want right. to become more right. and yeah. more independent. <laughs> yeah. Poor darling. Exactly.
2: Okay. And so, so what about so, your
0: son then? How did
2: that, how, you know, he would visit her and he's got a
0: language, obviously, if he was able to tell you. He yeah, he does. Go. He does have limited language. I, I I do want to say that his he doesn't have a lot of language, but he does have limited language. Okay, so he was he so, was able to tell you that he wanted to go there, and for
2: the same reasons to have more Yes,
0: because when we go there, we we go um we we usually spend like I said several hours there. So often we'll go on Sundays right after church, and we'll spend the rest of the afternoon and the evening there. And sometimes we'll go again and during the week. It's, the facility is about an hour and a half, just an hour and a half from our house, so it's not like we can just pop in, you know, for okay. lunch. <laughs> so, How are
2: your other kids about it? How, did they feel that that was a, a scary thing, the right thing, the wrong thing? Did they fight with you on the issue of uh, residential care? Please tell us about that a little bit.
0: Well, my older boys are, um, they're, they're, all co- You know, they're 20, 23, and 24. So for them, they're not really, you know, home here with the kids all the time anyway. They sort of have their own, you know, lives. They're off at college doing things. So, um, you know, the hard part was that they couldn't see them as often, you know, with college and working on weekends and all of that, now, now that it's summer, they can go with us quite a bit more and visit the kids. So, they miss them. Yeah. But they also see what, what they're learning. You know, the, the, the mission of the place where they live is to help children with special needs develop independence and individuality. And so, they work on a lot of independent skills with the kids while they're there. So, It's, it's, it's both a place that's very fun for my children to be at. There's a lot of fun activities happening. But I, but I also see them learning more skills so that they are going to have more options in life once they get out of school.
2: Okay, so now you have a little bit of an advantage here because you have a doctorate in special education and you taught special education for like 23 years or something. So you have an awareness and an understanding of what to look for when you're looking at programs and when you're looking at schooling that maybe some other mom might not have. Um, And so let's first off just sort of, because I have only a short amount of time with you, forgive me, I'm going to sort of wrap up what you've told me and restate it um but it sounds like your wonderful mom who went and said wow let me adopt you know these children who have challenges and then they reach the age when they're supposed to leave home when they're supposed to grow and move you know forward into the world not necessarily fully leave at you know 16 but begin to leave and so um this is just their way of doing what all the kids do
0: Right, right. And um, one of the things I had said to you is that, you know, placing them in this facility isn't, you know, I I didn't give up my parental rights. These are still my children, and I visit them as often as I want. I talk to them on the phone. Um, They can call me. And so, you know, I I feel like it feels more like I've sent them away to school mm -hmm. than that I've placed them, you know, people will say, in an institution. I don't really feel like I've placed them in an institution. I feel like I've sent them to school, and they're going to have opportunities to learn um, more skills. And, and what we've seen, seen with our son, one of the, the big things is that he is becoming more independent because you know, he's so used to me doing things for him, and he's seen the things I've had to do for my daughter because of her physical needs that that he wanted me to do those things, too. And now he's seeing children that are very similar to him who have more independent skills, and they're modeling that for him, and he's trying to be more like them. And so I see him growing and stretching by being in this program. Well, I,
2: um, I personally want to thank you for being willing to chat a little bit and give sort of a, a window into... The possibility of letting go, and and I want you to address something before I say goodbye to you. Um, the reason that I wanted to do a show on this is this whole, you know, the issues of how to keep our kids safe. Do we keep them close? Do we let them go? Do we, you know, it's always a, a question for parents, and it comes a lot, of, comes up a lot with special needs kids, especially autism. And unfortunately, a lot of the times there's some really tragic um, end game stories and there's one in the news right now and so i just wanted to do a show that says hey you know if you're struggling with this it might just be a beautiful thing to let your child move on to another a uh, group of hands to help with them if it's too much for you um, sometimes it's just too much for you and so, I'd really like you to address uh, the the question of, you know, did people, neighbors, were they all supportive, were other relatives supportive, or did you really have to sort of square up your shoulders and say, no, this is the right choice? Um, my daughter's become too needy for me.
0: You know, when I first, when we first considered this, I really was worried about that. You know, I'm. I've taught special ed, I chose to adopt these children, I have a doctorate in special ed, I should be able to do this, right? right. And yeah. <laughs> I and I thought people are gonna come back to me and say, you know, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you caring for your children? But you know, since then you know, I I've been able to show them, they've been able to see what a positive thing this is. For my kids, and they've also been able to see that I've not just sort of placed them in this home and moved on. You know, I'm still very, very involved with my children. I'm very involved with the staff there. I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there all the time. And so, you know, you had mentioned you know, being concerned about whether a facility was a good facility. I feel like I'm there so much. I spend so many hours there every week that they. They really couldn't fake it anymore. I mean, if it wasn't a good facility, I'd know because I'm there a lot. And so I think people, people, some people haven't been as supportive of this as they maybe could be. But as people have seen the evidence of how good this has been for my kids, they've come back and said, you know, I think you really did the right thing.
2: So you kind of got to
0: be strong for a little while.
2: Yeah, okay, that's awesome. And I'm going to say goodbye to you. Thank you so much. I want you to, if you were to give a piece of advice to a parent out there, let's just say we've got a parent out there, we're going to make them up. Somebody out there who's really struggling and feels like maybe the best place for their child or children um, isn't at home, what advice would you give? How could you help them?
0: I would say to think about where they want their child to be down the road, and what avenue is going to give their child the most um, advantages towards getting there. And if it's having a team of people, maybe the people in in another facility, whatever that might be, that can come around and help you to help your child get there, then you need to be open to those opportunities.
2: I agree, and it's just one more fight if you have neighbors giving you a hard time anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not like there weren't a million fights along the road, it's just the next one. As long as you're going after what you
0: think is right for your kids, right? Exactly. As long as you think this is what's going to be the best for my child to achieve what they want. And, and, and we can't always think about what's even going to be the best for us, right? Maybe right. we want to smother our child and keep them close, but what's going to be the best for them to be as, right. as functioning as adults as they can be, as independent as they can be. And that's where I'm going to say goodbye, because I
2: totally agree and love ending it on something I agree on. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Pat. I really appreciate it. You are listening to A New Spin on Autism, Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. And we just finished talking with Kat, a mom of two children, decided it was best to put them into a residential home when they reached a certain age. Wonderful sharing and we have more to come but before we get to that don't forget, we—okay, okay, okay, okay the great guest giveaway is right after our next guest and it's an exciting giveaway so make sure you hang in there and of course as always I'm going to take all of this slew of information and put it together to make it make sense if I can do it uh, at the very end so stick around to the very end for Star All right. Without further ado, let's get to Sheila. Sheila is also a mom who has a story to share. Hello, Sheila, and thank you for joining
0: us. Hello.
2: Hi. So let's begin with, um, I put out the, the request for parents who had made a decision to put their children um, in an institution or residential home or group home or some kind of setting outside of their own backyard. And you came forward, and thank you so much for that, just that very act itself. Um, It's brave because people are kind of, you know, they have uh, very emotional reactions to our decisions as parents, no matter what they are. So thank you for being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having
2: me. Oh, you're welcome. So tell us your story.
1: Well, um, my son is 11 years old. He's considered severely autistic, low-functioning, he also has ADHD and OCD. Mm-hmm. And, um, his, he has also a lot of behavioral issues. And, um, they became progressively worse as he's gotten older. Um, he was first diagnosed with autism at age three. And by the time he was between five and six, his, um, behaviors, began to show where, um, he was more harder to manage. Um, he had several therapies, um, you know, physical, speech, occupational, behavioral therapies. Um, uh, he was also, uh, placed on medications for, for his, um, behaviors. And, um, you know, he just seemed to, as he got older and bigger and stronger, he became harder to manage no matter what we tried and believing we tried everything that's out there. You know, he's my youngest son, uh, my only son. I have two older children, two daughters, but, you know, he was my baby and, you know, I gave him everything. I did everything I can imagine, you know, um, I've had prayer vigils to try to help with his behavior, you name it. I've tried it and, it just got to a point for us where his behaviors not only at home or and out in public and even in school were to where he was a danger to himself and to others, meaning um, he has no sense of fear, no sense of right or wrong you know he's very impulsive um, he um, you know he he thinks nothing of. I mean, I have four locks on every door in my house, and he's like a Houdini. He gets out. I had to have an alarm. I, you know, um, he's hurt himself many times, uh, many trips to the hospital, no matter what. Um, He injured his teacher at school. um, When she had to, uh, he he actually headbutted her when she was, Hand over hand, teaching him, and he knocked your teeth out very severe and uh, that was so heartbreaking you know I know he, I know it 's out of his frustrations and everything, but it was bad and mm-hmm. there's other a lot of other incidents um, you know the school at one point was wearing protective gear because of his behaviors and it it became to where the school Honestly, came to a point after trying everything. They said they didn't know what else to do. You know, um he he injured my grandson. He's hurt me. I, I you know, we got to a point where we even tried calling uh, 911 for help. You know, with his behaviors, and uh, they even said there's nothing we can do. It's not a psychiatric situation. It's autism, which I know it was, but out of desperation, I was calling for help to see what else was out there that I didn't, you know, know about. And, you know, between all his doctors and teachers and the family, we had to come, and it was a long time coming. Uh, It was a process of just acceptance that, you know, this is the way he is, and you know, yes, he can have, he can maybe improve, but in, at home, as a mother, as much as you love on them, and you know, do what you can. Sometimes, out of love, we end up enabling their behaviors to become worse. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and it's hard when you've got a home and other children and, and things going on, and not to give in to him into his temper tantrums, which I know is terrible. You shouldn't give in to them, but you tend to do that. You know, you're a mom. You see your child upset. You you want them to be happy, you know. And I know I was enabling him unconsciously to get, you know, worse with his behaviors. And, you know, his sisters were becoming to be in fear of him as he got bigger and stronger, even though he can be a very loving, wonderful boy, Uh, he's just amazing but when he gets something sets him off you know Mm -hmm. it's not a good thing so between all of this we came to the realization that he needs more than what I could give him at home I'm a single mom so it's all me that was doing everything and you know It's hard as a mom to to admit that to yourself. Like, there's nothing more I can do. You know, as moms, we're supposed to fix everything, fix all the boo-boos, you know, make everything Mm -hmm. right. But I could make it right. It it needed more than what was in my capabilities, you know, and that's a really hard thing to admit.
2: It's a brave thing to admit, actually, Sheila. I think it's a very brave (laughs) thing to admit. So, yeah. when you finally got your welcome, it's true. Um, I think it takes, uh, more courage to say, I can't do it than it does to family I and mean, just keep, you know, sort of staying on the treadmill till something horrible happens. And horrible things happen. So, um, so what, ha- when you made this decision that you would need to reach, yeah. uh, you know, find, find another place for your son, how did you find it? How has it worked yeah. out? And okay. what did people do about it? Like, how did your neighbors treat you? That sort of thing.
1: Okay. Um, well, when it came to that point, I had been all along dealing with the, my local agency for persons with disabilities. My son has, since he was very small, has been on what's called the Med Waiver waiting list, mm-hmm. and um, Med Waiver you know provides services for uh, the disabled. And it's a very long waiting list here. Um, He's been on the waiting list since he was five, and he's 11 and a half now, and he was still on the waiting list. But because of the fact that he became, you know, uh, dangerous to himself and others, um, he got through the Agency for Persons with Disabilities. They moved him up to crisis level, which means that... He didn't have to stay on this long waiting list that might have been five to ten more years long. He he got moved very far up and they worked with me, you know, their team of social workers and things and they found um, they searched my state for ver- you know, various places um, that they knew about for children like him and, uh, with his behaviors and his issues. Um, and it, it took a, it took a while to find, you know, just the right one. Um, but finally they did and it's a wonderful place. I, I just, I can't even say enough good things about it. They're very loving. They're very caring. You, you see it. They hug my son. They love him. He hugs them back. Um, unprompted you know he's showing them love so I know he's very happy there the type of uh, residential facility is called an ICF facility Mm -hmm. and it means intensive care facility which means it's one step up higher than a group home Um, they have nurses on staff and everything and um it's phenomenal. You know, it's a whole team of people there. He has a one-on-one aide that's with him all the time, that takes him places, does things with him, you know, takes, he's been to the movies, baseball games, um, parks, you know, they, they give him a full life, but yet they're professionally trained to do so, whereas I was not, you know, right. and
2: so, so you, it's been an improvement then
1: a big improvement. You know, he's, you know, as much as I miss him and I call there every day, I think I drive the nurses crazy, but you know, he's happy and he's getting, you know, all kinds of therapies and doctors and he's in a special school that he goes to and they've got him, um, improving on his sign language because he he doesn't speak. So um, that's part of his autism. But, um, you know, and he's just calmer. Um, They have a a phenomenal psychiatrist that works with him, adjusted his medications. He's, you know, and he's living that regimented routine that he needs to have, which you just can't have in a regular house. You know, life is... Forever changing, but you know, there it's you know, breakfast at this right. time. Okay. This is, okay. So, we know, get we,
2: we, I, I'm so happy for you that you found a place where he's doing better and he's more comfortable. So, you must feel good about your decision.
1: Oh, how yeah. did,
2: yeah, and and how, how were your daughters about it, or how, how were the neighbors? How were your friends? How were your relatives? Was this a hard, um thing to say to everyone or were they just saying it the whole time you should do something and and they were going finally what was your situation that way it,
1: it, that was my situation everybody was saying you know Sheila it's about time to do something with him you know they've been saying it for a long time and you know I was stubborn with it I'm, you know for a long time saying well if I just do this maybe things will be better but finally I came to the realization and you know, my friends and family and they're very supportive and they're very happy for me and him because he is improving and of course everybody misses him a lot, you know, but you know, we go to visit him and, and do things. So, you know, it's, it's okay. But yeah, I've had a lot of support, you know, especially from friends and family that have seen you know the situation firsthand,
2: so then real it sounds like the the thing that made it tough or why it required courage to make the decision was just all in your own self. It wasn't your environment telling you you had to do it, it was you telling you you had to do it, right
1: Yes, yeah, it was right. hard, you know
2: right, so we have to let go of our idea of what we're supposed to be and just sort of look at what's best for our kids, right.
1: That's right. I had I had to put his needs, you know, first, you know, as opposed to yeah. my heart. You know, but don't you? Don't you
2: first. feel it? Doesn't your heart feel better now that you see him doing better?
1: Yes, I do. He's he's improving so much, and you know, I look forward to keep watching him improve. You know, so yeah, I feel good. I miss him, and I still have some rough days where you know. I do things with my family and say, gee, I wish he was here with us. But then I look back and I say, well, you know, he's where he needs to be, and he's getting what he needs, and, you know, and that's okay, you know. I have to just remind myself it's okay.
2: Yeah, it's okay. It really is okay. I mean, our role as parents is to find the best situation for our kids at all times, and it sounds like you did. So you did a good job. You did a good mom job. Thank
1: you. Thank
2: you. <laughs> You're welcome. You know, it's hard to recognize we're enabling. It's hard to recognize when we're doing something that's maybe uh, furthering a problem. And who knows? You don't know what your future lies. You might you might uh, learn from seeing how he does there, and he might change, and you might have him back at some point, or you might never, and just have this relationship. It's all good.
1: Yep. As long as he's happy and healthy, it's, it's, it's all good. I want. It's all any parent would want, you
2: know? Yeah, that's so. really true yeah congrats, congratulations for standing up and taking a good look in the mirror <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thank you <laughs> thank all right you. and
2: thank you so much for being willing to share with uh, with our folks because i 'm sure there's some parents out there that are uh, racked with guilt or trying to figure this out or and I just really wanted to give some time to, the you know, the issue, especially with some of the horrible things that happen out in the world when people won't uh, throw up their hands and say, you know, maybe I'm not the one to do this job. So uh, congratulations on that, and thank you for sharing.
1: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
2: All right. Bye-bye. That was Sheila telling us a little bit about how tough it can be and how great it can be when you admit it's too tough for you. Okay, 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 it's time for the great guest giveaway. And today we have a great guest with something to give away that's very great for anybody who's dealing with the subject of the day, which is letting go or sometimes catching them. So (laughs) it's kind of the two sides to the same coin, you know, if you let go, how far will they go? So um, our next guest is perfect for that. Ah. Our next guest is perfect for that. Her name is Erin Wilson, and Erin is the mother of two children, you know, because we like to have mothers on the show because they really talk from a place of knowing. And they come from a really good place of knowing if they have a teenage daughter, which is, you know, one of her situations, which is almost the same as having an autistic child, which, oh, she's got one of those too. (laughs) So I like the way she puts it, a typical teenage daughter, Grace, and an enthusiastic, I like that, enthusiastic 11-year-old son that has moderate to severe autism. Okay, before I even ask her anything else, I'm going to come out of the gate asking her about that, but let me finish her intro. <clears throat> Jay's a, a constant threat, you know. So he takes off and he wanders. He's the one of the ones where, you know, if you let go, he might go too far. So Erin uh, and her husband Bruce decided to start something that might help with that, and they have a, a company called QR Code. And um, it's IDs, you know, for people that run, like Jay. And so we want to talk to her about safety and how to keep the kids safe while at the same time letting go a little bit. So it's a bit of a challenge to figure out that balance. Mm-hmm. But let's start with, hi, Erin, and why did you use the term enthusiastic? Because I just love it.
3: Well, hello. I'm so happy to be on your show. And he is enthusiastic. He just radiates joy. He's um, another name I have for him is Jumping Jay because he's always on the trampoline jumping around, running around, and um, I can't really describe him as any other way except for enthusiastic.
2: Well, I'm a bit jealous. I wish I would have come up with the term enthusiastic when my son Dar was young because he was he was one of those people that again he jumps and screams. That's one of his things. We call it the the Dar the patented Dar move, and um, and when he would run. He would run in a straight line and never think to turn around and come back. So, and he would do it with such joy. He'd be like running, like ah! <laughs> a straight oh. line. If that straight line takes you to Timbuktu, that's where you're going. So, it makes me think that they might have had something greatly in common.
3: Oh yeah, but I do describe Jay sometimes as a bunny rabbit because he he runs out and then he kind of circles back like a bunny rabbit would. So, um, I am thankful for that that he does you know is aware enough to circle back um after a certain distance but you know it is a little bit more of a distance than i'm comfortable with and it depends on the size of the area too because he does when he's in a room he kind of wants to fill up the whole room with his presence so he'll (laughs) circle all the way around it
2: yes (laughs) well how awesome and i know there's tons of parents listening to you going yep
3: yep (laughs) my little bunny yep (laughs)
2: okay so so you were dealing with the fact that he was circling a little too far and tell us about your company and how it came to be give us a little story about it
3: well he's actually been lost a couple times one time was at school um and apparently at um drop off time um he did not go with the class and he's in a moderate severe placement so it's a It's a uh, two-children-to-everyone aid because he does have significant care at school. um, But they must have forgotten about him, or he circled back to the entrance, and um, a a mother found him um, after school had started, and she took him to the office. And then when I came for pickup was when she told me that she had found him because – her daughter was in my daughter's class, so she knew who my son was. And apparently, school had started and he was just standing there in, inside the entrance gate all by himself. And thank God he didn't run out of school. But in that situation, I would not have known to even report him missing until hours later after school was done. So, um, and he's a person who his language is very, very limited. He's able to make basic requests like um, go pee-pee or drink, and he's not someone who is able to go up to another person and say, I'm lost, I need help, can you help me get back to school or find my mom? So um, we came up with this idea as a way that the the code itself will be what's communicating for him, and um, also it'll be alerting people to his need for help because what we came up with is QR codes and it's... I don't know if you're familiar with the, what they look like. They're the little squares with the little squares inside of it and usually they're on an advertisement and you scan them with a smartphone and it um, usually takes you to the, um, the website that's being advertised. So mm-hmm. what happens here is people have like a mini website within our website. So um, when somebody who's a member of QR code ID when their shirt, um, it's printed, their individual code is printed on their shirt or on a pen. Um, when it's scanned, it takes you to their contact, emergency, and um, behavioral information. We also have, like for our son, some behavioral tips for whoever finds them, like to count to 10 slowly that will calm them down. And that's also very beneficial for people in law enforcement or first responders to know the best way to, to interact with um, you know, our children. That's um, awesome. Thank you. No, that's awesome. So it's on the shirt? Um, we print it directly to the shirt. And then we also have um, pins that it's printed on those, and velcros and adhesives and magnets. Um, and we're also coming up with temporary tattoos very soon.
2: Okay, that's awesome. I'm just back to my son again. Well, actually, they were all runners. But anyway, so, uh, but I remember one time my. My extended family had come for a visit, and, we, you know, you get busy talking. You haven't seen each other for years, and you're all talking, and we're at the dinner table, and somebody comes to the door, and they have my child with them. <laughs> and oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. I was completely unaware, had no idea who was gone. He had gone quite far, like many blocks away, um, had just got out the door and gone walking in a straight line, and some lady had seen – fortunately, it's weird enough that he was he was notable. So she had seen him coming in and out of our house with us and knew where he belonged, thank goodness, and brought him home. But I, I didn't know her. And so it was one of those things where I went, okay, I've got to deal with this. And I went at that time – this is years ago. So I went and I got him. They had child find him. They do the fingerprints and all this stuff. And I got ID bracelets and whatnot, but he wouldn't wear them. There was no way to keep an ID bracelet on him, or even the things that I've seen at conferences where they put something on the ankle or on the, the wrist. There was no way when my child was doing that that I would have been able to use any of that stuff, and I tried. He just mm-hmm. went crazy trying to get it off.
1: You know, my just, son's it was uncomfortable.
3: the same way. He won't wear a bracelet or a lanyard. Um, you know, we do want to develop those in the future um, for people who are, wearing the coats because they're more medically fragile for if they have diabetes or or seizures or some other condition where it's not so much as like a cognitive or a memory care kind of issue. Um, and they have don't have the sensory issues that um, people with autism or Alzheimer's would have. So that's going to be developed down the road. But um, for starting out, we're, um, we're printing it on the, the shirts, and we also have long shirts and hoodies. And polos and um, like Oxford button downs.
2: That's awesome.
3: I mean, a variety. So whatever they're
2: attracted to wearing, that's awesome. Different fabrics.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're doing mostly cotton, and they're also tagless. Yeah. Oh, that's really great.
2: Very cool. That's brilliant. I'm so happy. I wish my. Let's go back in time, and I'll buy one. <laughs> Oh, that's really, really cool. And, and you came up with that, you and your husband came up with that on your own, or you came up, you met another company that was doing it and partnered with How did this all happen?
3: Well, actually, we were having our little date afternoon, and we went to Red Lobster, and we were having lunch. And um, this is a, back in April of 2012. And uh, my husband was uh, working on a project make, um, recording social narratives, Mm-hmm. And the name of his company was really cool, and so we were talking about printing it on T-shirts. And then we were saying, you know, with all the sensory issues, wouldn't it be nice to have T-shirts with, like, around the collar where they can, um, you know, like a soothing tool, like, you know, have their thumb and finger go back and forth. Right, way, right. You know, casually stem. And chew uh, and chewy tubes going off the shirt and things like that. And because Jay had been lost a couple times before that, so you know, for me uh, on a shirt, to be able to identify the child is, um, you know, number one. And so I don't know. We were just <laughs> sitting there having lunch and the idea of using QR codes. Um, maybe there was one on a billboard nearby. I don't know. It just came into my uh, thoughts then.
2: Well, it's we brilliant. Ran with I it. love it. Yeah, thank you. It's really... Now, how do we get it so that the person finding the child knows that this is, um, like, you know, if I found your child, I wouldn't have known without this interview that your child had a QR code. So how are you dealing with that?
3: Well... um, we just recently launched, and I'm working very hard to get um, through social media and uh, interviews like yours, and we are on our local TV show this morning. We're trying to get the message out there, and I've been uh, contacting fire departments and first responders and the sheriff's offices to let them know about it and 911 operators um, so that um, people will know to look for the coats and to scan it.
2: Yeah, no, it's brilliant. I just love it. And now, uh, if you have a naked one, you're you're out of luck. But uh, <laughs> as long as you
3: can get them to wear their clothes, you'll be okay. I know uh, we're very thankful. My son keeps his shirt on, but yeah. we are developing temporary tattoos that um, will scan also. And um, that's an interesting for- idea. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, and people that aren't familiar with QR codes. Um, they can be scanned with a smartphone, and it's a free app, um, QR Reader or QR Crunch it. Um, There's different ones on the market that um, can be used to, to scan the codes. But we also have a backup plan that if you go to the website and there's a unique number next to each uh, code that you can enter um, the number, and that will also take you to the person's profile. So pretty much you just have to get to where there's Internet access and then you'll be able to um, view that.
2: Okay, so some of the reasons I love this right off the top is it doesn't have the prison look, which the anklet often does. It doesn't Mm -hmm. have, you know, any kind of appearance of a problem while at the same time it has a solution, and it takes you straight to family information, um, if I'm understanding this correctly. And there's Mm -hmm. a panic that happens when someone finds, you know, a, a special person who doesn't communicate well and doesn't know what to do and then the police get involved or you know but mm-hmm. if you can get family information right away they're a human being yes. and you're making these children human and you know of course they already are human but it's very easy for people to feel separate from somebody they can't understand and so to have mm-hmm. this uh immediate family information i think this is gorgeous and i'm i'm all over it i i just think it's <laughs> a great idea and i'm so happy you came up with it
3: Oh, thank you. And I'd like to add that the information that is in the profile can be changed in real time, so you can convey what needs to be known in the moment. One ah, of our examples on the great. website. <laughs> thank you. One of the examples we have on the website is um, we're down in the parking garage looking for him. The reception's terrible. Please take him to security level one, and we'll be right up. So when they find him, they'll know what to do with him. If they if they're trying to call and they can't get through. Oh, that's awesome. That's so awesome. That
2: would have helped me when he was lost at Schlitterbahn, the splash park. (laughs) I'm thinking (laughs) of all the times, you know, when I'm pulling out my hair, where is he now? (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's just awesome. I love
3: it. I love it. I love it. Um, Okay, so what are you going to give away to people? Well, our giveaway is a free 90-day membership and a T-shirt. If someone doesn't take this, shame on
2: you people. <laughs> no, this is awesome. That's, that's brilliant. That's really brilliant. I really appreciate that. You're doing good work. This is a, a really, um, I can't say enough about how much this gives a humanness to a very difficult problem. That I, I, I just really love it. So thank you for coming up with it and for following through. And hopefully you'll continue to follow through because there's a lot of work ahead of you getting the word out um, so mm-hmm. that people you know, know to look for it.
3: Well, across the top of the code, it says in bright red letters, if I need help, so that alerts people to, to scan the code and um, find out how they can help the person.
2: See, you thought of everything.
3: You don't need me at all. Well, we'll oh. just shout <laughs> it from the rooftop, okay? <laughs> well, there's a couple other things I'd like to add. Is okay. that our T-shirts have been designed by artists who have special needs. Um, So the whole project is to support the special needs community. And the artwork, um, I asked it to come from a place where it's showing that I'm a really cool person, I look awesome, and not like you have to accept me, but that they are accepted. And um, we really love the designs they were able to come up with. Wow, that's awesome. Look at you being
2: congruent everywhere. (laughs) <laughs> I think you're my favorite new friend. This is not, I, I know I'm being light and silly, but I, I mean every word. Um, it's really a gorgeous thing. Um, okay, you said there were a couple of things. Is there something else that you wanted to make sure everyone knew?
3: Yes. Um, with each membership, there's also a secure site that's password protected where they can keep the information that they would want on hand during an emergency, such as doctors' names and numbers and medications or anything else that they want to access during, um, you know, a critical moment? You know, I so often don't like what we do to keep the kids
2: uh, safe uh, or to help them speak or to, because I see them as crutches. And mm-hmm. I see them used in a way where the person doesn't, the parent or the, care, you know, the caregivers or the teachers, they use the prompts and the crutches and the safety nets Um, as if there isn't another option. And I prefer that they be the thing that you sort of have as just in case, but you continue to teach, because eventually a child can learn not to do this. Um, And I really hate it when we lose sight of the fact that the children can learn. It's just going to take maybe longer and many more um, unusual methods but uh, yeah. but they can learn and we must keep that foremost in our minds and what i really like about this and i'm just going to stop harping on it but it does have that element it allows you and it's a beautiful blend of i'm going to take care of you and keep you safe well at the same time i'm not going to mark you in a way that has everybody saying oh he can't do it himself and and you know it's just sort of Something to make the parents comfortable while you teach. And that's really gorgeous. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah, it's really gorgeous. Give them your website and how they can get a hold of you. Um, what I'll do to, for the giveaway is I'll have them email me at mom, that's M O M, not M U M, not the English mom, <laughs> but the American mom. So M O M and the number four, Evermore, Mom forevermore, at oh. Juneau, Juno, J U N O. Like Juno. Actually, I don't even think that's Juno, Alaska. It's more like Juno the movie. Um, So, J-U-N-O dot com, mom forevermore at Juno dot com, and you put in the subject line, keep them safe. And then I will, the Mm -hmm. first person to do that, will get the giveaway, which is uh, three months free and a T-shirt. So that's really awesome. Um, and you share your website, please, and any other contact information that you want to give. And then a final thought, something that you just want to share from a mom heart to other moms and, and teachers and people who are trying to help in this world of autism.
3: Oh, great. Yes, for qrcodeid.org, my phone number is 661-524-6732. And I look forward to talking to you. And my final words is I really love how you said that um, to connect with our children, you really have to try different approaches. And that's what we've done with our son throughout the years. And, um, you know, it's so amazing when we do find a way to connect with him. And um, it has taken a lot of different tries with different approaches. And... um, I just think it's it's amazing when we're able to find it. And it's really, really outside of the box, <laughs> the approaches that we find that have worked with him. Yes. Yes. It, it's always outside of
2: the box. The box was where they didn't fit in the first place.
3: <laughs>
2: I don't know why everyone keeps trying to squish him in there. <laughs> That's right.
3: We,
2: we had All to go right. way,
3: way outside the box. Yeah, Yes.
2: Of course, and, and as soon as we let go of needing to put them in the box, we usually make a great connection and get some really mm, good stuff. Yeah. That's a very good All right, hon, thank you so much for being here. i got to close the show with stories from the road. <laughs> All right, this is Erin Wilson. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Stories
2: from the road. All right, let me see if I can make this all make sense. Actually, it all makes sense. It's all self-evident. But I'm going to add a little bit to this. I'm going to throw three stories at you straight away. Um, one is from my house. Well, actually, a couple are from my house. So uh, my son, Rye, when he was really little, he used to do these naughty little things. Now, I believe that freedom teaches. And I give a lot of freedom, but also I had eight kids, and so I didn't really have a choice but to give freedom because I just couldn't keep them all attached to me at, at every second. And Rye was a bit of a stinker. He was, uh, you know, medium-level autistic and uh, liked to do little things, and he had a low-functioning autistic brother, so he would take him places. And this one time he took him, it was the middle of winter, he took Dor and dropped him off at a corner Like, just down the street. But it was the middle of winter, and Dar didn't have any shoes on or anything. And then Rye came home with this little, you know, excuse the French, but shit-eating grin on his face, like, hmm, I wonder when they'll notice. And poor Dar doesn't know how to get home, so he's just jumping and screaming on the corner, hoping someone will notice him. Uh, Fortunately, I was used to keeping an eye on empty-handed Rye and going, okay, what would you do with Dar? And I'd go find him. And it was only a matter of minutes. But it was still scary. It was this ever-present um adventure in the house. Another time, he put him in the dryer, and I was like, get! (laughs) So It was this constant little uh, naughty, uh, curious George son of mine, dragging along his big brother friend who would just do anything because he didn't have any language, and he was so glad to have somebody be nice to him or mean to him, but playing with him. So we had this constant issue and then, and, and then Dar would run in a straight line and land in pools and I'd have to save him and somehow we survived their childhood and nobody's ever had a broken bone or gotten stitches or anything so I must have managed it. But um, there was a moment where I thought I wasn't going to manage it and it was way back when my uh my son was fairly young and he started going through puberty and he was getting all these erections and i've kind of talked about it on other shows um about how i in fact last show i I talked about how that began my process of asking others for money because i tried to get a therapy for him well just before i tried to get that therapy i had done the typical 911 kind of reacting Because my son started drinking gasoline, Um, he would take the lawnmower, turn it upside down, and, and drink the gasoline, and I thought he was suicidal. Later, I discovered that it was a way of him getting high on the fumes of the gasoline, but I didn't know that that was possible at the time, and I thought he was trying to kill himself. So I trotted him off to the hospital, and they gave him charcoal, and they told me, you know, it's really not the gasoline that's dangerous, it's the fumes, it's when he burps. And I'm like, well, so it's dangerous. Can we do something about it? So this happened a couple of times, and I went, okay, I'm not keeping him safe, and I need help. So I'd looked at all of these uh, Freedom giving adventures and, and you know, the standing on the corner alone in the cold and the getting stuffed in the dryer and, and the things that it's crazy trying to raise an autistic kid, let's be honest. So, um, I thought I can't do it. And I told the people at the hospital, I am not taking him home. I need help. This is a desperate situation. He's not safe. I need help. And so they didn't have help to give me, but they did send me to another place that was a lockup. So I went, and that's already intimidating, but, you know, at least he won't be able to escape. So um, I went to this place, and, and they took him in on an emergency basis. And, you know, I'm in the middle of a million things. I'm raising a lot of kids. I'm putting on a show. I'm doing all this stuff. And um, but still, you know, we've got our emergency, so I'm just pointing that out to say, hey, just like everybody else, we're all multitasking. So I, I go ahead and I sign him in, and I went to see him the next morning. And when I arrived, he was, he looked like, to understand my son was fully functioning as far as moving goes. He, you know, he could walk, he could get a drink, he could, you know, carry things. He, You know, his hands were a little bit. Uh, twisted but he could do everything in that in that way if you told him what to do he just didn't necessarily think to do it himself um, and he didn't have language so when I arrive and he looks like he's got cerebral palsy and he he's sort of shaking and looking at me with these big eyes like help me out of this body what's going on I lose it. You know, I'm like, what are you doing to him? What did you give him? So they'd been giving him some drug, and it had had an adverse reaction, and now he's almost paralyzed, and he's shaking, and it was very scary. And I'm I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not leaving until you get the doctor. And they're like, well, you have no choice. We're calling the police. And it was just ugly. The end of that story is I did get him back. They threw their hands up and said, well, we can't, you know, really do anything anyway. We'll call it. PTSD on top of autism, because when I adopted him, I adopted him after him being locked up in a closet for two years, so they figured it was just another comorbid situation and gave it another diagnosis and said, here's your boy, back, and didn't really help me at all. But what I did learn from that was that I could do it. So it wasn't a mistake, is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes throwing your hands up and saying, I can't do it, Is the way to discover that you can because when I saw what was an option for my son what was available for him I suddenly was rejuvenated with energy and and focus and, and an awareness that I was the one that understood him and that would be able to get him help so so this story can go many different ways in my case it made it possible giving up made it possible for me to do it right and we have all happy ending stories. Um, another situation as a child that I, or a man that I work with has been in a group home for quite some time. And, uh, and his family has enjoyed the benefits of that, and so has he. And he always preferred to go to his group home after his visit with his family on the weekends. And um, it's been that way for years and years and years. And recently some problems happened in the group home and he ended up sort of pulling away into his own bedroom and and nobody really taking care of that and he started talking to himself and all kinds of things like that. And and so his family decided, no, it's time to bring him out and bring him home again. That doesn't mean they made a mistake sending him to the group home. And it doesn't mean they made a mistake bringing him home again. What it means is that life is always unfolding that we're problem-solving. We problem-solve as parents from the minute we give birth or adopt to the minute we die. That is what it is, and that's not a burden. That's living. There is nothing but solving problems. If you have no problems to solve, you'll get bored and depressed and create a problem. So instead of saying, oh, it's always something or why doesn't it ever work out, recognize that it worked out. And now you, need a, you have a new problem. Now you have to have a new workout solution. So life is ever unfolding. And be comfortable with that. I believe that freedom teaches, that you have to give freedom to your kids. But you have to do that in a way that maintains a safety net. It's a balancing act. It's difficult. But you can do it if you just keep an eye on the fact that you will constantly be changing your mind and you will have to reassess on a regular basis. There are angels out there who work with autism, but they don't always know what to do with your child. When they do, take advantage. When they don't, take them back. I'm doing this show for a reason. There's been awful things happen in the news lately. People who didn't give up their kids when they should didn't take them back when they should. Just be easy, flow with it, go with it, make the changes that need to be made in the moment. I have a family that I'm working with, and really, right now, they should give their children to somebody else. I'm concerned for them. They can take them back later. They need a break. It happens. Let go, then pick it up again let go, and pick it up again. That's how I did it in my home. I gave them freedom, and they took it away. Only I was usually the one doing the giving and the taking. But had I not been able to, I'd have reached out again. Be comfortable, be safe, be loving, and be good to yourself. You need a break, too. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and this is a new spin on Autism Answers. Today's question was probably, should we let them go? And the answer is, every once in a while. Thank you for being here, because without you, I'd just be talking to myself.
0: Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times
2: hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, a real-life guide to autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of A New Spin on Autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to
0: myself. I can't hear you.